0: Yeah, it's time for another one, Code Keepers. It's time for another one. Got the good brother from another mother and pops, Dan Trezomi from the Where My Killer Tape At Peace. podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and the good mentor, the uh, the Manifesto Master, Mister Precise Thinking himself. We have Minister Zombie. What's good, bro? Peace. Well, look, man, we we. Been having this conversation for years. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to honor Malik al-Shabaz, but too many of us want another one. You know, mm-hmm. we want to honor Dr. King, but too many of us want another one. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say the same thing with um Asada Shakur. You know, we were all like this, but mm-hmm. we didn't support her. And unfortunately, I think that's been the case with too many of our heroes sheroes and our leaders we don't need another hero i think tina turner said it best (laughs) we don't need another hero all right welcome to get on code the fly guy show which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment,
1: health, wealth and knowledge itself. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to.
2: And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in the traditional system.
0: We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build
1: wealth, but we just for some reason Don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine. That means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better?
2: Every impression without an expression becomes depression.
0: We don't need another song from Seiko. It's not working. (laughs) Yo, Peace Code Keepers, Dan Trez, Minister Zumbi. What it do, man? What it do? So, Zumbi, you had this idea that you wanted to talk about this complex thing that we have with wanting another hero, this complex misunderstanding we have of a person that you call one of the most. uh, What did you call Malcolm X? You said one of the most uh, dynamic people in history.
3: Yeah, he's arguably one of the most complex subjects in human history. All right. Go ahead and build, brother. Go ahead and build. So, so what I mean by that is if we were to take the 39 years that, uh, that we were blessed with having Baba Wally, okay. Look at everything that he went through in terms of the changes that went through in his life from his childhood being influenced by, uh, his Garveyite parents, Reverend Earl and sister Louise little, uh, finding himself uh, falling in the street life in the streets of Roxbury, Boston, Harlem, etc., finding himself in, in prison where he discovered the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, coming out of that situation where he goes from being Detroit Red to Malcolm X and then later to el Haj Malik El-Shabazz and finally Baba Omawali, Okay. The metamorphosis there, it's it's so rapid. I even I I dare say it even made his head spin because you may find him here at one stage of his life. Five years later, it's at another stage because he was just constantly evolving and correcting himself. So that's why I say arguably he's one of the most complex uh, subjects in human history.
1: And I have to agree with, I agree with uh, uh, Minister Zumbi, and I think what makes it even more special is that a lot of his changing, a lot of his evolving is documented. Mm, like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that documented, most notably Alex Haley, um, you know, Carl Evans did later on in his book from the FBI files. Right. Uh, they create Dr. Manny Maribu. There's a lot of, there's a recent book, I haven't read the Less Pain book, The Dead Are Rising, where he interviews yes. a lot of his family members. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, you can see the documentation of his evolution from not just the people that was around him, but his followers. Um we saw a lot of that publicly. A lot of his peers also said the same thing about him. Um uh, mm. people that he, you know, that he met James Baldwin, they had Rustin, all of them all had, you know, Clay, even Clayton Powell, um, they all had things to say about him that they noticed. So this it's well documented his metamorphosis.
3: Mm. And and I think other there's other aspects that um don't really get enough play. Um, Two individuals who had a real tremendous influence on Malcolm, Uh, one Pio de Gama Pinto from Kenya, Uh, his peoples are originally from East India. He was the individual who helped uh, Malcolm, quote unquote, graduate from a black nationalist to a pan-Africanist perspective. And what's ironic about that is the Sunday where Malcolm was executed later that thursday they got uh Gama pinto okay so they had to take those two gentlemen out in the same way had malcolm lived he was supposed to be on a panel discussion with one ernesto che Guevara, who that relationship was beginning to uh evolve flourish and develop okay in fact there was a letter that uh, Guevara had written to the OAAU, and it started off, Dear Brother Malcolm. Okay, this is this is Che. So, so there are just so many things, uh, so many dynamics of this particular man's life that uh, you can't just draw a circle, put a dot in it, and say, this is the man. Can't do it.
1: And I, and I agree. And I'm, and I'm glad earlier in the green room, uh, Minister Zumba, you talked about how there's a, you just said it. There's a lot of things about him that we just don't even explore. Mm-hmm. Um, just even the little things like how he convinced Maya Angelou to come back to the United States because she was not coming back to the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he ran into her in, in Africa and he was like, You need to come back, sister. Right. And she came back. So there's so many things that he did that, you know, once you realize the things he did, now you understand why he had to be assassinated. You got like, okay. Um, so, so yeah, I agree hundred percent. Um, very complex individual. Um, and it's just, he did a lot that we just don't know about. And also like his ideology. Um, I, I believe, I always believe that it's always misunderstood, you know, oh. where they seen him as like, you know, they see him as like ultra violent when he wasn't at all. He was, he was just like, look, I'm, I'm about, I'm about self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and defending ourselves. He was never about preemptive strikes. He's never about torture, any of those things. He was like, hey, we're just not gonna get you're just not gonna punch me in the face anymore. And right. I think that that gets they talk more about that, his juxtaposition, you know, versus you know, Martin Luther King. We only talk about that. We don't talk about everything else that he was discussing and trying to put into fruition.
3: Right. And and also the uh the ideological children that Malcolm produced.
1: Oh my God. Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yo, I wanted to say Will Justice tapped in and said the enemies are always trying to trying to throw dirt on Malcolm's name and legacy. Mm-hmm. So is is that the the juxtaposition that you're talking about, Danny? Because I know we always talk about King being the man of peace and Malcolm being the man of by any means necessary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is, is that part of that the enemy's
1: plan? Um, I think that oftentimes I, I'm gonna say yes and no. I think a lot of times when it comes to our leaders, we like to really look at them in simplistic terms. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, you know, when we're describing Martin and Malcolm, we'll say, you know, Martin was about peace and Malcolm was about violence. So this is he was militant, you know, and it was just like, nah, that's just a, I think that's just a really, you know, simplify what they stood for. They both stood for a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it was similar, some of them were different. Um, and then you also got to talk about Malcolm X, like, post-Nation of Islam and what he was doing. And I don't think we get into that at all, you know, get into that at all, like what he did when he left the nation and what he was mm-hmm. doing around the world. And I think those things need to be discussed. And there's a lot of stuff that they they don't even talk about what he did while he was in the Nation of Islam, a lot of things that he did, a lot of the connections he was making with different communities throughout the world, and right. that's just never discussed, you know? Mm-hmm. It is
0: a lot that's missing. Uh, and I think we're going to get a chance to bring a lot of this into fruition today. The Calico show says Malcolm talked too much.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. That's I, I it's it's so interesting to me that people do that like you said juxtaposition because you know, while Martin is known for some marches, a lot of times the deacons for defense of justice were there, and they right. were a gun club. They were Mm -hmm. a Christian gun club, a black Christian gun club. I keep saying the gun club piece because they were there armed at a lot of those marches after the Edmund Pettus bridge. And we, we just kind of gloss over that. And we say that, you know, Malcolm had the gun in the picture standing by the window, Mm -hmm. but King had them brothers with guns at the marches. And like Danny was kind of alluding to, you have no evidence of Malcolm or many, uh, many of the NOI brothers ever being physically abusive
3: mm-hmm.
0: during some of these situations.
3: And, and here's another thing. Um, you know, I was talking with the same elder this morning. There were two things that Malcolm did within the nation that really get glossed over, okay? Malcolm understood the importance of having control over two things, media and military Mm -hmm. media he was the one who created the newspaper Muhammad speaks because he wanted to create a platform for the most honorable Elijah Muhammad to speak unfiltered yes and not to be edited even by black newspapers like the Pittsburgh Courier okay the second thing that he created was the fruit of Islam. That was his mm-hmm. idea as well. Idea, wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, wait. You saying the FOY was Malcolm's idea? Yep,
3: yes, sir. yep,
2: yes sir, yep. Okay, yep.
1: Um, and just real quick, um, yep. this is don't I me mean, to cut you off. Mm-hmm. As a brother, uh, um, an elder Lord he'll tell you that, and he's still right. alive today. He 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 learned under Malcolm with Clarence Thirteen X. He learned under them, and he will tell you that.
3: Like yep, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Malcolm understood the importance, okay, if I'm building a nation, where's the where's the military? Yeah. Okay. So even, even though the, the infrastructure and the platform was created for Malcolm, okay, Malcolm understood that there were certain things needed to, you know, if you're going to call yourself a nation, you need your own military arm, you need your own media apparatus as well. Okay. So... So, like I said, these are some of the things that uh, aren't too uh, highly discussed. And and like you were talking about Melchizedek, he's probably one of the few, few yeah. elders who are still around who were a part of what, what was called that first resurrection. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially in, in New York City. Okay. Hmm.
1: From mosque, and mosque number seven, a very influential mosque that was opened up by Malcolm. In Harlem, Moss number seven, because that's where Clarence 13 next came from. That's where a lot of ministers studied out of. Um, right. A lot of the FOY cadre, the FOY cadre captains that went throughout the United States, they were trained there by Malcolm. And then Malcolm, the Nation of Islam at the time had a had a drug program, and Malcolm expanded that program that got a lot of brothers and sisters off of heroin. Like he he expanded that because he had he had his encounter with heroin. So he he could kind of speak to that. So he kind of expanded that program. So there was a lot of things that he did in in the nation of Islam that doesn't, and you're right, uh, Minister Zumbi, I think it's important that the propaganda arm that he created through Muhammad's speech, which later became the final call, which is still around today, is crucial. It's crucial, highly crucial. Right. Wow. Wow. Now, I know
0: that, you know, the three of us, Dan Trez, Minister Zumbi, and myself, we were also impressed with the man that we saw with Malcolm. Mm -hmm. So, so fit goddess being the queen, the goddess on the show, how did how were you impressed or how were you influenced or what were your thoughts on Brother Malcolm when you learned of Brother Malcolm? When you saw the videos of Brother Malcolm, as you saw the photos of Brother Malcolm, you know, what did the queens
2: think? All right, so you know, it's Black History Month, and where I grew up, that he was highly revered, um, just amongst our people uh you'll hear me say in quote I don't have my watch on now but I wear my watch because of Malcolm um he was very very avid on making sure our people understood our time and presence right i tell my sons you got to wear a watch malcolm said we got to know what time it is brother like i understand that time is a, a farce in real in reality but um our presence matters and malcolm really really made a big push for us understanding that value, the value of our time.
0: All right. I want to start off with my Tally and Twine watch. Yeah, I'm rocking my Tally and Twine. So, you know, if you want to get a nice time piece and be on time, like Brother Malcolm said, check out TallyandTwine.com. You know, Melanated owned, also coming out of uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. So uh, I just picked up the wifey a nice Tally and Twine as well. So now we twinning. But yo, I forgot that Malcolm talked about watches. See, one of the things that I think is intriguing is our leaders a lot of times talk about some very practical things mm-hmm. that we just totally miss. We gloss we over. From- yeah, yeah. So, Dan Trez, well, the great thing is you kind of grew up in in New York mm-hmm. post that time period where you know King and. And malcolm and i guess father allah so what did you grow up hearing
1: about malcolm um just like the queen was saying he was revered i mean it's, i went to school in harlem right so like that's all that's all you know that's all we talked about like i was in high school we talked about more like 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 reading the autobiography of malcolm X's told total Alex haley was part of your your gear that was part of what you everybody had to read it like it wasn't even It's funny because I always tell people, people always think that I learned our history in school. I'm like, no, I didn't. I learned it on the street. It was just, you had to know it. And I I remember, um, I I, I know this is a a sidebar, but I remember I met this young woman who was way above my league. And I remember, you know, I remember she, I went to a house and she was sitting on my lap and she had a picture of Martin, Malcolm, and Marcus Garvey. And at the time I didn't know who Marcus Garvey was. So she was like, yo, who's that? And I was like, oh, that's Martin, that's Malcolm. But I didn't know that was Marcus Garvey. And she was like, well, you can't get none unless you know who Marcus Garvey was. And she jumped off my lap. And I was like, dang. Son. Like, so that I'm just saying that's just, that's just you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's just the, the culture. That's how it was. You know, I know that's a funny story, but it kind of shows you where everybody was at. So we all had to read, you know, and I remember reading, oh, remember reading it at 14 and how the autobiography really changed you know it really changed how you know i got knowledge itself when i read that it really changed how i looked at the world how i looked at the black freedom rights struggle it changed all of that and and i don't want to get into it now cuz i mean this is Zoom, we kind of touched on it earlier in the green room um hows malcolm's discipline is really the example that i i, said, I, I, I you know i set in my life to follow you know what i mean like the example that he set how he was consistently studying and evolving that's that's who I want to be, you know, um, you know, you just, not just as a community member, but as a leader, as a family man, all that, that was what really, you know, I gravitated towards. Right. Yeah. What were you saying? Queen?
2: No, I, I, I will second in that emotion because Malcolm was the one who uh during his time in imprisonment, he was reading the dictionary to learn a new word every day. So I do that with my sons, but fortunately they don't have to like open the dictionary. We just call our Alexa and you know, we make it part of our routine where it says a new word, it says the spelling, it says the the part of speech, like and I'm and I'm on it like hold on, did y'all are y'all listening? Did you hear repeat spell the word back? What did she say? You know, because it is it it's Vocabulary is a big, big thing. We cannot communicate if we don't have enough words.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, we got some gods in the house. Peace, God. Peace, peace, yeah. the gods, man. Yeah, Mister Atlas in the house. Woo! Now, now, tonight's show is not just focused on Malcolm, but this is intriguing. Right. So, <laughs> I know Zumba. You're like, yeah, next.
3: Yeah. But... <laughs> it, you know. We're we're you know, like I said, we're here to really discuss the legacy. So whatever personal issues you have with Malcolm, take it up with the universe, not tonight.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. Mm. Now I, I do think that
0: Will Justice's point that Malcolm X was for the FOY, what Paul was to Christianity, might be intriguing. Am I the only person that's uh that's kind of captivated by that statement?
3: Could he elaborate?
0: All right, yeah, so Will Justice. No, nah, I hit the wrong one. Will Justice, hit us back, man. Uh, give us a little more elaboration. Malcolm X is for the NOI, what Paul was to Christianity.
3: So, so Zumbi, what was Paul to Christianity? I, I would say Christianity as we know it today. Uh, I would say Paul was the for lack of a better term, evangelist. And when we saw how Malcolm took that doctrine that the messenger laid down, he became the evangelist, okay? He became the one who would hop in that Oldsmobile and spread the gospel and would train the other ministers on how to spread that gospel into other you know urban areas whether it was chicago detroit new york newark uh philly dc kansas city st louis so i would consider him as as that evangelist um some would call him a firebrand even uh in in spreading that gospel you know i would hear his older brother philbert said that malcolm when he came out of prison And when he got into the teachings, that every time that there would be a a gathering, Malcolm said that this mosque should be totally full with the teachings that I'm about to give you from the messenger himself. He was just that much on fire and that much of an evangelist of the teachings.
0: Hmm. Okay. So Will Justice is saying that Paul is the one that spread the Christian doctrine farther and wider than ISIS or Eusis, or Isis, or, Iesus, or I say Yeshua Himself. Um, True. So, now, yeah. So, so can we say that we can say that uh, that Malcolm really made the FOY and the NOI, the 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 powerhouse it became.
1: I, I, yes, yeah. I, I, I would say yes. I would say not only did he he sp- not only did he spread the gospel, but he also said a lot about, you know Muhammad speaks, which later became Final Call, the FOY. You know, like like he did. A, he set a lot of stuff up. He, matter of fact, he was the one that's like, really, when you look at it, I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to offend nobody. But when you look at uh, Nation of Islam ministers, they sound like him. Right. You know, yeah. um, again, a lot of the, the FOI captains, a lot of the ministers learned under him that are still mm-hmm. around today. They learned under Malcolm, um, you know, so again, Melchizedek will we'll back that up. Um, so yeah, they, they, a lot of, he set the tone, he set the standards, he, you know, he put out the doc, a lot of it, you know, know, what we know is the FOI, um, you know, he really was like, he lived it. And then he also said, this is how we're going to do things from this moment on, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. So not only did he just spread the gospel, he also said, these are the, these are what we're going to practice while you're in here. Right. All right. So, uh. Brahu
0: says, along with glorifying our slain and unevenged leaders. Interesting point. We should also heed their example and resist participation and co-opting by the colonizers system. And that kind of goes into one of the other conversation points of tonight's conversation. Mm. Too many of us are saying we need another Malcolm. Mm. And Zumbi, Danny, you said earlier, we didn't take care of the ones we had when we had
3: them. No. And I think sometimes we uh we take them for granted or we don't appreciate them as they walk amongst us in the physical. Okay. I know I've had conversations with um various individuals about what happened at the Audubon in regards to. Did the security fail him, even though Malcolm says, don't search. If I'm security, my first priority is to protect the number one asset, regardless of what the asset tells me. Okay. One of his closest associates, Earl uh, Earl Grant, who, who's an ancestor now, I'm watching an interview with him. He breaks down and he said, we failed him. And not just on February 21st, 1965, we failed him because he gave us the blueprint of the OAAU. What did we do after his transition with it? Mm. So uh, so can we
0: say that we fail our leaders as we fail ourselves? Will Justice talks about self as being the savior. I, I kind of take that back to uh, somebody named self Rob back in the day. Um, <laughs> but self being the savior... Have we failed ourselves and our leaders? I think who who said that? Never mind the leaders because the people keep fronting. That was a uh, Black Star, right? Or was that a uh, Talib Kweli? I want to say it was. Tyler.
1: It, it might have been Black on a Black Star song. Or yeah, a yeah. Not on the Black Star album. not just that song, Knowledge itself. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. Never okay. mind the leaders because the people keep fronting. Yeah. We we're, we're looking for another Malcolm. We're looking for another Malcolm. Mm-hmm. We're looking for another Patrice Lumumba. You know, we're looking for another queen mother more.
2: Right. Why? But we forget Michael Jackson said it starts with the man in the mirror. <laughs> in order for that 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 individual to come to pass, we'd all have to see ourselves as that individual. That's the only I, way that I, works. We can't wait for one. All of us have to individually be that.
1: I, I don't want to jump, I don't want to jump into that yet because we want to say that to the end of the segment. We're supposed to kind of go into um um minister Zumbi. You said that there was four things about Malcolm that he was that we kind of like gloss over. If we can get into that and then okay. discuss the quote unquote sons and daughters of Malcolm who they are. Okay, um, like, you know, I want to get into that, and then we get into Ooh. you know okay. violating our leaders.
3: So the the four main areas of of uh Baba Omawali's life, okay. We talk about the devout Muslim. We talk about the Black nationalists. We talk about the pan Africanist. Wait, wait, wait. Baba
0: Omawali? I, I think I got lost. Yeah, <laughs> that was the name that was <laughs> given to
3: him. No, this was this was given to him uh, when he was in Nigeria by the Nigerian Muslim Student Association. Uh, yeah. He was given the Yoruba name Omawali. Loosely translated, it means the son has returned home. So... I guess in some ways Africa may have looked at him as the prodigal son returning home. Okay. 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 So, so even, even on his travels throughout Africa, he was looked upon as that long lost son uh, that has returned home, uh, even in a cultural aspect. Now here's something else that was not discussed and you'll find this in the book called remembering Malcolm by Benjamin Kareem. He said that the Ethiopian government was more than willing to give Malcolm and his family asylum in Addis Ababa to live out his days. He says, look, we fear for your life. And Malcolm contemplated taking that offer. But the reason why he didn't take it, because he felt like his mission would have been unfulfilled here in America, had he left and lived out his days as a representative of the Ethiopian government. So because of us, he stayed. Now, how many of us would have turned down the offer?
1: I just I just wanted to point out in um in Dr. Manning Maribel's book, um, he really focuses on the last two years of his life after he left the uh the 18 months after he left the uh NOI, and he talks about how. He was traveling around the world, linking up different organizations with each other, even here in the United States, and, and, and actually writing out a blueprint on how, you know, how he was going to liberate one another um, through the connections of different groups and communities. Um, again, that kind of like really emphasizes why the state um, had to assassinate him because he was the glue that was connecting everybody together. Mm-hmm. You know, he was telling people, like, hey, I know you got ideological beef with this person, but we got to we got to work on this. So. Right. So, yeah. So that's that's another reason why he turned that off or down, because he was really, really putting things together. Um, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Mr. Zumbi. Like, just because he wasn't here, those people couldn't still make those connections, you know.
3: Right. And and I think you'll you'll see. Um, and I'm probably going to jump into the ideological children. Of Malcolm, uh, the first. Being the Black Panther Party. In fact, uh, co-founder Bobby Seale said it himself. He said, "It's bittersweet that the Panthers came because had Malcolm not been executed on that day, the Panther Party may never have been born."
1: Mm. And then um, in um, what's his name in uh, Mumia Abu Jamal's book on the Black Panther Party, mm. highly recommended. He 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 talks about the political ideological evolution of the Black Panther Party, but he said when they first came about, they were Malcolmists. They were they followed Ooh. the Black nationalism mm-hmm. uh, of Malcolm. You know the concept of self defense from so he called the Malcolmists at first. Okay, so they, and they considered themselves Malcolmists. They followed Malcolm, right? Right. Um, they took the word from the word from him, and that's you're right. They are his ideological children.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Are we going to bring Kwame Tore into this as well? We can, but I think yeah. I think Kwame Teray, I think Kwame Terray kind of like um his evolution was more so um dealing with Robert Williams over in North Carolina interacting with that organization. Because mind you, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, mm. uh most NAACP chapter presidents and their members carried guns, you know, so because they were all in the South, because they were always being threatened by the KKK. So wait, a lot wait, of wait, that wait. was when Kwame Terrain was visiting the South and edu- educating people, he realized that they, they were met with KKK violence and state violence, and he knew that going the way of nonviolence wasn't really going to work. So that's where you see him go more towards the quote-unquote militant side, but then he became more of a socialist even before the Black Panther Party did, because they were originally yeah. Malcolmists. Yeah.
3: And, and I think we can also throw in Kwame Touré uh, in some respects as an ideological child of Malcolm as well because, remember, it was Kwame Touré who in 1967 in Mississippi was the one who gave us that, that phrase, we want black power. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we... So it's kind of like, you know... Uh, Kwame Tore took that baton from Malcolm, expanded on it when he says, we want black power. And to say that in Mississippi in
0: 1967... So, uh, let's bring this back to the uh, current for a second. Yeah. And one of the ways we can do that is by bringing in a goddess who has sons. So with all this information... How does this impact the way that you raise your sons?
2: Be a little bit more clear on your question, please.
0: Well, one of the things that I think is challenging about these types of discussions is a lot of times these discussions happen and we kind of do it in a vacuum. So, you know, we just talk about history, but we don't find a way to apply this history to the way that we're raising the babies now. And so, you know, my Actually. son and my daughter are both adults. Yours is still young. Does this stuff even come into the way you're taking care of your children?
2: So, of course, like to a degree. Um, in growing up, you and I both know a lot of our people don't learn about these things unless you're in a, like Danny says, a certain area where that's the mentality if that's not the mentality then the school's not teaching it um then you have to kind of infuse it into their life and like i said it's just a matter of being like oh hey malcolm made us wear watches you know malcolm made us study uh the dictionary so that we know the words uh martin told us that it's the power of our character i have a video of my youngest son um he was motivating his older brother and he said well you know Martin said, if no one believes in you, you got to believe in yourself. So it's just a matter of telling them who their greats are. And now I'm listening because there are plenty of people that are attached to the people that I'm familiar with that I'm not familiar with. So I'm learning, you know, just like I have a wealth of knowledge to teach my sons, but it's still out there to, to know and learn. So now you've taught me another way to kind of... Look up these people and infuse it into our daily lives. What were they doing? How were they being leaders? And how can I tell my sons, look at these gentlemen and model yourselves after them?
1: And Trez, how do you bring this into the classroom? They they know my students will tell you, and it's actually a part of the trivia question. I'm like, who's who's one of my heroes? Who's, you know, you know, Malcolm X, Huey Newton, and Bruce Lee? And they know, they'll tell you in a New York minute. Um, a lot of quotes. And it it's funny because I had I heard of some of my students quote Malcolm. And I'd be like, where you get that from? And they and they can't even remember they're like, oh yeah, Malcolm. Like they'll be like oh, yeah, yeah, Malcolm said that. Sure. So it's a consistent discussion. Um, um, rarely do I have to actually like I really have to like focus on Malcolm because I consistently talk about him and bring him up. Um, and a lot of times when my students ask me stories about when I was their age, I always bring up reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, I know that for a lot of my mentees, they know that one of their gifts that they get is that book. Like I buy them that book, like. Here's here's the present for you. And we have discussions. um, I know sometimes in my book club, we we go on tangents about them, but it's also like I was saying, I don't want to get into it now. It's also the consistent example, you know, the discipline, like, you know, my diet, you know, getting up in the morning, all the the way I do certain things really comes from the discipline that kind of like Malcolm X wrote down um, when you read about how he ate and how he did certain things and what he was known for, right? So, um, but in the classroom, I think, when it comes to the classroom, especially in this climate, when we talk about our heroes, we have to do it in a subversive manner. We really do, um, where it's not in my lesson plans, but if you walk into my classroom, you would think it's in my lesson plans, right?
0: So mm. that,
1: that's how I teach, because that's how kind of like I was taught, you know.
0: Alright, Zumbi, how does the, how did Malcolm and and his legacy and his contemporaries impact Goat? you know, the gospel of Afronomics theology.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I would take it back to probably for me, his most powerful uh, speech is The Bellator the Bullet. Uh, probably one of the more powerful 52-minute lectures you'll hear where there's instruction about when he introduces his gospel of Black nationalism, which means that African people must have total control over the social, political, economic, and cultural aspects of your community. When he talks about the economic aspect of his gospel of black nationalism, he says that we should only control the economy of the community. So that way we are the ones producing the jobs and not on picket lines, begging somebody else to employ us. Okay. And What he also said is that before we start looking for self-help programs, we need a self-help philosophy. His gospel of black nationalism was a self-help philosophy. And that philosophy, you don't have to leave your church, your masjid, your synagogue, temple or tabernacle. You don't have to leave your fraternal Masonic organization. You can incorporate it right into what is already existing in your life. And enhance it And so that's what I did with the Gospel of afro Theology, regardless of your school Of thought, you can incorporate This black economic Liberation theology into What you are already doing Because it can do nothing But enhance the quality Of your economic life And so that's one of the Main influences for me
0: And, and that's Interesting, That's so it, it's Malcolm influenced us all and now we're in flu. I mean, look, that was my line name.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow! Wow! wow. So I had it like 40 years old. <clears throat> ah, oh, okay. Okay. Mr. Graybeard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Malcolm Farrakhan was my line name because how I acted, how I talked, the things that I quoted during the difficult times that, you know, I had going through that process. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that, you know, we were all influenced that there's a big foundation of Malcolm in all of our lives. But do. Are we ready, Danny? Can we move? Are we ready? Yeah, yeah, we can move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do we need another Malcolm? Are you you're asking me first? Yeah. Do we need another Malcolm? No, no, no we don't. Um, I think I think um, one thing about Malcolm, if you look again, his framework, right, Um, you have to do the work, but you also have to have some sort of political education. Right. Which is what which is what later on the Black Panther Party also emulated. It was like, you know, we're going to do the work. but We also have to have political education. So like for for the nation of Islam, it was knowledge itself. Mm -hmm. We also have to show and prove. Right. We have to also put in the work. We can't just be talking. You also have to do the work. And at the same time, you can't just do the work. You got to also have knowledge of yourself. And I think I think that's the example that we need to follow. Right. That all of us, all of us have the potential to be leaders, right? And a lot of us are leaders in our own, in our own fields, right? I always talk about how you got to figure out what your lane is. And Malcolm was big on that. Find out what your lane is. Minister mean, this is when we just talked about that. Where are you at? You got to work from where you at, you know, but at the same time, as we do the work, we have to educate ourselves and, and, and you know, I know, I know in academic terms, they call it a praxis, you know, but theory yeah. means practice, practice, yeah. right? We need to be focusing on that. And that's the example that he said, remember, he he didn't he didn't he wasn't he wasn't he didn't go to college right but he was debating Harvard professors right uh-huh. um you know he was in prison for 10 years you know and that's an example the discipline that he set that is something that we need to follow and emulate and teach right For
2: uh-huh.
0: example A discipline we need to emulate and teach uh-huh. All right, so we don't need another Malcolm. Zumbi, do we need another Malcolm?
3: No, what we need to do is we need to study the blueprints that Malcolm and others have left for us. Whether it's the ballad or the bullet, whether it was Malcolm's The Last Message, whether it's the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's message to the black man, whether it's the Honorable Marcus Garvey's Course of African Philosophy we have blueprints the challenge for us now is to study the blueprints internalize them and then modernize them to fit our present condition okay so because we've we've developed this disease that i call ethnic cheerleading okay ooh yeah. oh and, okay uh,
0: okay. okay 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 zombie <laughs> you always coming yo last time it was uh Hotep, yeah, Hechler. Hotep Heckler, yeah, <laughs> and then you okay. All right, yeah.
3: so this is called ethnic cheerleading. Ethnic cheerleading. Um, <laughs> I, I I was a I was a staunch critic of saying that what's happened in the black church is that there's too much praise and worship and too little productivity. Okay, now I have to expand that into our political and culturally conscious arenas where we get off on doing ethnic cheerleading, but we don't take the time to go into the writings and the teachings of those who have preceded us and apply them to say, okay, here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. In fact, it was Kwame Touré in uh, one of his final uh, presentations at the old slave theater. He says, if you're, if we're going to win this war, It's going to be one scientifically. It's going to be one logically. And we haven't taken the time to be scientific and logical. That was the thing that made Malcolm as brilliant as he was. Okay. As much of a spiritual foundation as Islam was for Malcolm. He always dealt from the left side of his brain or the logical side of his brain. Okay. Because he had to teach us how things worked. He had to teach us about how systems and teams operated in order to keep uh, nation states together. He had to teach us how the United Nations work. All that was placed in the OAAU, Organization of Afro-American Unity. He says, our people, we've already got the religious thing down, but now we need to understand the science behind how things work. Okay. So so I think we've gotten into this thing of ethnic cheerleading at the expense of sacrificing our logic, our intelligence and our ability to think as our, our good elder George Clinton says, think it ain't illegal yet.
0: <laughs> so uh, verbal was asking, why wouldn't we need another Malcolm? I think uh, verbal, we just kind of answered that. <clears throat> I think we need us.
1: And, and I think I think what happens is that a lot of times um we want to feel good, right? Mm. And and I'm not gonna lie, you know, listening to Malcolm, I feel good. I feel very good. I feel very hyped. It's like a right. it's like a, a, a pep rally, like I feel very hype. Um, and I think we got we already, and you know, Minister Zumi just said that, you know, we we already got all that, you know, we got this a lot, we already got the praise, we already got all that stuff. We we did all that, right? Right, we didn't right, need any right. more speeches, right? Yeah, you should already feel good. You know, don't again. It I listen to his speeches, I let my kids listen to the speeches, and we get hyped up and we feel really good about each other and we hugging each other to get that energy, yeah. but we gotta do the work. You know, they are you know, they Marcus Garvey, all of them, they laid the blueprint down. We don't need to recreate the wheel, we don't need to do any of that. They gave us our marching orders. We just need yeah. to go out and do it. Right.
0: What were the marching orders? Because I I I think that's one of the challenges.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think the challenge is we don't understand what the code is.
1: Okay. I mean it's 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 simple. Oh. It's simple. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Again, and you know, Minister Zumbi said it earlier, Marco said go start where you at. Right? Start where you at. And I and I think oftentimes when people ask me, you know, what can I do? They're thinking, they're thinking like, Oh, I, I can't be Malcolm and I can't be Martin. Well, you're not supposed to be Mal- Malcolm or Martin, right? right? You're supposed to start where you at. What do you know, right? Mm-hmm. If you're somebody that knows how to raise money, right? Because I've been organizing for a long time. One thing I'm not good at is raising money, right? But if you're good at raising money, you could definitely help us out, right? Some people are good at building chairs and tables. We Guess what? We need chairs and tables when we have these meetings. We need chairs and tables when we feed when we feed the community. These are things that we need. Right. Right. We need you need people to teach self-defense. We need people to teach our babies how to swim. We need people to teach tutor our, our babies in math. You know, we need to teach people how to cook healthy foods. We, everybody needs to do that from where you at. And that's what they taught us. And Malcolm was someone that was like, hey, where are you? Where are you at, brother? Where are you, sister? We need you over here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's we, we we think that our work has to be something that's that's like grandiose and big and impactful. We right. could be impactful where we're in our community, especially mm. if you know what you know, right? Mm.
0: Yo, so, you know, like Will Justice asked, why haven't we achieved self-sufficiency?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. Again, it goes back to we've become addicted to ethnic cheerleading, okay? And somebody had mentioned about what are the blueprints. Now, I'm holding up, make sure I'm holding this right. This is the Honorable Marcus Garvey's message to the people, yep. okay? the course of African philosophy. This is five bucks, okay? And in it, Mr. Garvey is telling us how to deal. He's telling us one of the things that I've gotten from this that I imply is that every day you should engage in four hours of productive reading, ideally, four hours of productive reading daily in your discipline, okay? So for me, whether it's any form of business or economics, because he understood leaders rule the world. Wait a minute. Intelligence rules the world, but ignorance carries the burden. Okay, (laughs) that's Garvey. This is this is the 1930s that he's telling us this. So this is a five dollar blueprint that he gave us. All right. Go back into the Albalajma. Go back and read Message to the Black Man and read his economic blueprint. As simplistic as it is, it can be very, very effective today. You know, he was actually teaching us about crowdfunding before the word even existed. That's how forward thinking our ancestors were.
0: Yeah. When we talked, what, two weeks ago about, you know, the Honorable Marcus Masai Garvey raising two mil in stock. In stock. In a Delaware corporation. I was like, yo. Okay. No, 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 we funder. No GoFundMe. No, you know, GoFundMe is not an equity crowdfunding anyway. Uh no main vest, no republic, no start engine, and
3: no. no. And like I said, these aren't these are blueprints that anybody who can read a stop sign can follow and execute and have success with. Okay. The only thing I did when I took what I got from Mr. Garvey, from Mr. Muhammad. Their economic blueprints. All right. Let me put it on steroids and HGH. Expanded to fit today's times. OK, so I'm not reinventing anything. I'm just building on what has already been laid down. And I think that's what we need to do is we need to crack open these books, read these blueprints and start applying them to the present situation that we have today. So that's why I said what Kwame Turi was saying. We have to become more scientific in how we approach things.
0: Hey, I want to say salute to everybody with that debate happening in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the chat is kind of going wild tonight. They got their own debate going on with, uh, you know, Brah, and Will Justice, and the Calico. Um, I, I definitely wanted to step backwards, though. Okay. There's this concept that Malcolm became Kumbaya.
3: No, that was I, never Malcolm. Nope. Okay. He,
1: he was a he was a Pan-Africanist to to day die. So yeah. yeah.
3: So so there was never a Kumbaya Malcolm. Now what Malcolm? Because remember Malcolm had two trips to Mecca. See, everybody wants to focus on the one that was in 1964. His first initial trip was to 19 was in
1: 1959. Yeah. Okay. He did two, he, And also
3: to Africa. He did two trips. Yeah. Right. But the first trip to Mecca, he wouldn't take Hajj unless the messenger took it first. Because see, he was there as a representative of the nation. And he was offered the opportunity to do Hajj, but he wouldn't do it until after the messenger had taken hodge first that was 1959 and then in 1964 uh with the help of his sister uh ella collins he was able to afford to take hodge in 1964 which she was saving up to do her own hodge but she felt it was important for malcolm to do the Hodge, so she gave malcolm the money to go and perform hodge All right, good. I just wanted to uh, kind of wipe
0: that off the floor, because <laughs> okay. Brother Will said he wasn't going to address that uh,
1: that coonery about Malcolm not being. <laughs> and, and it goes it goes to back what we were talking about earlier, how a lot of his ideology is very simplified, right? Right. Uh, and and a lot of us a lot of us do this where we take certain figures and we simplify what they were saying, mm. and, and not actually reading what they were talking about and understanding what their ideology was. Right. Um, And and I think when we do that, it's it's if we do a disservice to what they did. Mm -hmm. All right. So what was the impact of
0: uh, Noble Drew Ali on this? You know, somebody just brought that up. Noble Drew Ali taught them all. You know, I love I love, I love, I love bringing up some of the quotes Mm -hmm. from the prophet. You know, one of the Mm -hmm. great things is, you know,
1: our plight will change when we change ourselves. Mm -hmm. I want want to point out something that, um, I know a lot of again. This goes back to what Minister Zumi was saying with the ethnic, you know, ethnic praising. Like a lot of those, you know, Noble Juali, um, you know, um, Mar- Marcus Mosiah Garvey, all of them were contemporaries, yeah. You know, um, you know, um, what, what else? Uh, Big Daddy Grace, all of them were contemporaries. They hung out with each other, they knew each other, they they broke bread with one another, they shared information, they supported one another. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know people, I know elders who was like, Yeah, you know. I was a uh, I was in the UNIA, but I attended, you know, um, Big Daddy Grace's church, and I bought right. stuff from Noble Drew Ali. Like all Mel talks about it all the time. How they were all they all hung out with each other, they knew each other. You know, um, they mm-hmm. they were they shared information, they copied, they did things, they talked to each other. Malcolm X before he did speeches, he would sit down with Dr. John Henry Clark, and Dr. John Henry Clark would kind of like proofread some of his stuff, right? Like. They're all contemporaries and they knew each other. They all knew, you know, um, um, they all, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times we see them as opposition and different, but they all work together. And I think again, that's the example um that we need to follow. Like these leaders like work together, they pass information, they knew each other, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's something that's lost in that in, in the sauce when it comes to that information. But they when you when you talk to these, the elders, they'll tell you, like, yeah, we they all knew each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: So we don't need another Malcolm. No. We don't need another Martin.
3: No. Where does Che come into all this? Che, and and the reason why I bring up Che is because I, I, I thought it would have been interesting to explore the relationship or the growing relationship that he and Malcolm were developing um there was already kind of a developing relationship between malcolm and el presidente fidel castro but i think that relationship between malcolm and che and this is based on my research uh, after the assassination of patrice lumumba um, it triggered something in che guevara to the point where he felt like in order to get this oppression off of black, brown, red and yellow people that and these are his words that we need to create 50,000 Vietnams. OK, now, mind you. They had just taken over Cuba two years earlier in 1959 unopposed. And you've got the military leader of Cuba saying that we need to set off 50,000 Vietnams around the world to get all of this oppression off of us and i think during that time we started seeing like-minded individuals uh, one of the things that i bring up is this uh we know that malcolm's birthday is on may 19th but guess who else shares that same birthday ho chi Minh. and what do both of these men have in common they both have connections to the honorable marcus, marcus Harvey, Harvey. Harvey. yes sir yes sir yes sir okay Oh, and then one more person I need to bring up is uh Yuri Kuchiyama. Shares the same birthday as both Malcolm and Ho Chi Minh. And she she told me, because she used to hang out with Ho Chi Minh in Harlem. Oh, really? Okay. She told me
1: that her and Ho Chi Minh used to go see Marcus Garvey speak. Mm. On top of that, we must remember that the, the sister that was holding Malcolm as he was dying was um no, it was her, Yuri Kochiyama. Right. He was the one? Yep. So yeah, but she told me. She told me to my face, yes, me and Ho Chi Minh used to go see Marcus Garvey speak in Harlem. Yeah. Mm. And Ho Chi Minh was the one that started the rebelling against the French and later the United States and Vietnam.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah. So, yeah. So that cultural nationalism that Garvey was laying down to us, somebody yeah. was taking notes, took that blueprint and so when Garvey says, look for me in the whirlwind, we didn't think it was going to be in Southeast Asia. <laughs> but it was there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So I, but I, I'm, I'm still lost. I have to admit, I have really never seen this picture before. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. Hey,
0: oh, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance. I've yeah. never seen this picture. <laughs> and so yeah. I never really considered until. We were discussing in pre-show that there was a connection with Che and with and with Malcolm.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes. In so fact, this, is- this this picture that you're showing right here, uh, this is in the Teresa Hotel in in New York. Uh, the story goes that when Castro brought his entourage and they couldn't find any um any hotel space. And one of the people in the entourage, he says, oh, Presidente, you know, there's nowhere for us to stay. What do we do? Castro only said two words. Call Malcolm. <laughs> yep. Next thing you know, they're in a Teresa hotel, breaking bread. And the rest is history.
0: Well, for uh, for the uninitiated, give us a little uh, a little info on Che so we can truly bring Che into this conversation.
3: Ernesto Che Guevara and you you might have to help me a little bit, Dan. Um originally he's from <laughs> Bolivia. It's from Argentina. Uh, Argentina, okay.
1: Argentina, yeah. Argentina. All right.
3: Um he's a medical doctor by trade. Okay. And he, and I'm kind of giving a Cliff Notes version, he finds himself uh wanting to participate in Cuba's revolution. Uh, I think he was in Mexico where he met uh Fidel, if I'm not mistaken. You did, you're right. You're okay. Right. And so when Fidel talks about how we're going to, you know, gain freedom for the people from the U.S. puppet of Batista, um, I forgot how long their campaign lasted um, in Cuba. It was it was five years, five they years. Land, they landed
1: in Cuba in 1954 um, on a boat, a, a Torah boat. It was 25 of them. And half of them got captured. Right, and they and they fought their way through the Sierra Maestra all the way to Havana in 1959. They liberated Havana. Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and Che Guevara had he had he had he's an asthmatic, so when he landed, he had a really (laughs) bad bout of asthma for three days.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what was funny about Che? Che was not only the military guy, but if you ever get a piece of Cuban currency from that time, he actually signs it. He was like the treasury guy.
1: He he um he wrote the economic plan for for Cuba and
3: mm-hmm. all that
1: pretty much the economic hierarchy of how Cuba was gonna run as a socialist economy. He's the one that wrote that.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about Che, Che never he never trusted Uncle Sam, nor did he trust Mother Russia. Because yeah. he was telling Fidel, look, no matter who we may choose, they're gonna double cross us eventually. So how do we get you know all the indigenous people's free. In fact, there's a book um Che writes, not the motorcycle diaries, it's called The African Dream. Yes, The African Dream. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where he takes a, a Cuban contingency of soldiers into the Congo to train the Congolese against uh, you know, European imperialism. Okay. So so that's kind of a short short uh, version of Ernesto Che Guevara.
0: Uh, Queen, have you talked to your sons about Che?
2: i educated right now in this very moment. I named I name one of my sons. Their middle name is Che.
1: So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They're very familiar. Yeah. Very familiar. <laughs> I very say familiar. that.
0: Hey, and yeah. one of your sons is named Zumbi too, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. The middle name yes. is Zumbi. It's funny because um, I wanted that to be his first name, but his mom is Yoruba. So we gave okay. him a name, but when he went to high school, he wanted to be referred to as Zumbi. So all his Ooh. friends know is Zumbi. His professors know him as Zumbi. So when I pull up and I be like, hey, what's Olu at? They be like, we don't know anybody named I'm like, oh, oh Yeah, yeah, Zumbi. Yeah, Zumbi. yeah, like, yeah.
2: So, yeah.
0: I say that. I say that. So So if we're talking about leaders, how did and you know that we may not need another Malcolm. Mm. How did Che pass away?
1: He was also killed. He was C- also I- killed. Because I-
3: hmm? okay. he, he went on a mission to Bolivia. That's where I was thinking about Bolivia. Bolivia, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there was a conversation that Che and Castro had. Uh, he Castro really didn't want him to go, but Che felt that he needed to, you know, go on this mission of creating more Vietnams around the planet. So they go to Bolivia and I don't know if somebody within his contingency betrayed him, but the CIA knew he was there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. And so he was captured, ultimately murdered. Um, The CIA was vicious. They cut his hands off. And then they had him in a barn and made people come around to see, yeah, we killed your hero here.
0: Wow, the American CIA. What yep. yeah, that's
3: so the, I think they I think they got him in what 67? Yeah, it was 67. Yeah. He was okay.
1: it, you know, I, I'm glad you pointed out that the letters that he wrote Malcolm, um, he did it in hiding because he was he was traveling around the world with these different revolutions and, and and fidel would always lie and say, Yeah, he's he's back in Cuba, but he Ooh. was doing all these revolutions and he was writing Malcolm while on the run. So it's very, right. very interesting. Um that you brought that up. Like, yeah, he did that. So, All right,
0: well then this kind of brings us to the end portion of our conversation. We yeah. said, you know, we don't need another hero. We need us. We didn't protect the last ones. Right. Why didn't we protect Che? Why didn't we protect Malcolm? Why didn't we protect Martin? You know, why didn't we protect uh who's the queen in uh, exile in Cuba? Speaking That's of the case,
1: yeah. You know, um, Kathleen Cleaver talks about that, um, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and she pointed something out. She said that the, the average black Panther and we could say this about the average civil rights worker were 18, 19 years old. They were young people. These people were young. They were young. Even, even the late, the late John Lewis was young. Um, mm-hmm. when he was a civil rights activist, you know, all these, they were in college, right? They were young. And right. she pointed out that, um, a lot a lot of them didn't understand the the, the, the um, just the strength of COINTELPRO, Pro, right? Because right. when you're young, when you're young, you're, you you feel like nothing can help you. nothing nothing's gonna shoot you, nothing can kill you when you're young, when you're like eighteen, 19 years old, you're gonna conquer the world. So they just right. underestimated the the strength of you know, Pro, the FBI, the CIA. Um, and I think COINTELPRO, Pro when you when you read about COINTELPRO Pro and what they were doing, you were like, wow, like they were really strategic in how they did it. Mm -hmm. So um, and and to this day, we still don't take a lot of those lessons of how Comitale Pro operated,
3: you know. And and there's another thing I want to add to that. Um, There's a book that Malcolm required everybody in the OAAU to read, and you can get this book on Amazon. Okay, it's called The Craft of Intelligence. And it was written by a former CIA director, Alan Dulles, who served under Eisenhower. And this is what I mean by getting into the science of things. Now, the other thing, and I was listening to a Haitian sister say this. Part of the reason why uh, we lost some of the leaders that we lost is because we didn't, and these are her words, we didn't have enough maroon society set up. Mm. And what I mean by that is there's an overt, but there must also be a covert to move. Okay. And that's the book by Alan Dulles, The Craft of Intelligence. That book was required reading in the OAAU by Malcolm. Hmm. Okay. But But getting back to the whole thing about the maroon thing is sometimes I don't think we know how to move in stealth. It's like we have to broadcast to the world what we're going to do. Yeah. And then we wonder why we never get to do it.
0: Oh. And okay. thinking about social media has probably made it even worse.
3: Yep. Yeah. In fact, yep. I agree. In fact, why do you think that the feds are are now using social media as a tool against rappers who want to snitch on themselves mm-hmm. in their lyrics? Yeah. Okay. So not everything needs to be openly said.
0: Yeah, particularly New York drill. <laughs> New York drill, man. I mean, I love the brook, I love Brooklyn, peaks out to Brooklyn. But it's something about this New York drill music where they're really going into great detail about some of the crimes that they have awareness to, some of the crimes that they've possibly committed. It's
1: incredible to me. Or like, or the fact that a lot of us gun clubs are always posting ourselves at the gun at you know at the range all the time and showing all everybody our guns on the ground. Don't do that. Mm, don't yeah. do that. They watching, man. You don't need to tell everybody how many guns you got, how many people are in your gun club. You don't need to do none of that, man. Mm-mm. Don't do that.
0: Yo, the Migos said you're doing these things for clout. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. A certain-
1: yeah. Yep. <sighs>
0: Yeah, uh, like Will says, self snitching is at an all time high. Exactly.
1: Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of us like to do Black Panther cosplay, man. A lot of us like to do that. And at a certain point, even the Black Panther party, even Huey Newton was like, "We're not wearing the black berets <laughs> no and the black leather jackets. We're not doing that no more because we got too many agents coming in into the organization." Right. You know what I mean? And I was like, "Wow, that's a lesson that we still, we still haven't learned." You know? Yeah.
3: And and the other other thing is this, Um, you know, I talk about, you know, having the need for maroon societies. There's an interview that Jasmine Guy did with Afini Shakur. And in Afini Shakur's experience, she says that one of the failures of the Black Power movement was the fact that it lacked the spiritual foundation. Okay. You know regardless of you know whatever you want to choose now amongst the shakurs it was islam but she said that there was no spiritual foundation because the the ethics and morality had been compromised right in terms of how they dealt with one another as men and women much less comrades so the lack of a of a maroon system and the lack of a strong spiritual foundation would probably be the reason why we lost people along the way.
0: Okay. I I am I'm, I'm fanboying, but I didn't realize <laughs> that Jasmine Guy interviewed she a She wrote a book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A book.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whoa. I used to hey, yeah. I used to I used to give that away as presents
3: to the sisters man. Yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. 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 Yeah man. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt.
1: Well you know very Danny- good. That's a very good book about the Panther 21. If you want to read about how the Panther 21 got, that's a very good book,
3: man. Okay.
0: Well, you know, Danny, you've always said, well, I can't say always because I've known you for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Within within the last 10 years, you said very frequently that we need to read more books by sisters, written by sisters. We need Mm -hmm. to read more books written by sisters. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Didn't know about this. Mm. Didn't know about this.
1: Interesting. And 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 I wanna I want to I want to say something that um um Huey Newton did that later Elaine Brown pointed out was really bad because their their underground system was based on the criminal underground. Mm. And and that was another failure because um you know a lot of people in the criminal underground were informants and and you know they had their own agendas and a lot of them were about money not really about political ideology right so um that was one thing that a lot of the panthers had issues with because they were like we shouldn't depend on the criminal underground for it to be our maroon society so right um, that was something that there was a lot of beef with um and you yeah. know because you know Huey came from that he came from that element so he trusted right. him, you know so yeah so mm.
3: yeah and and there's a book that that speaks to that um The book is called The FBI War on Tupac Shakur by John Patash. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's P-O-T-A-S-H. In fact, he's a social worker based out of uh, Baltimore. And there's a chapter that I'm reading where it talked about how an associate. That's the book. Mm -hmm. An associate from Nikki Barnes's commission was actually paid by the feds to get close to a Shakur who subsequently got her hooked on crack cocaine. Mm. Okay. I want to say it's chapter five in, in that book, but um, I picked my, my book up. I picked this book up at uh, Barnes and Noble and this is the second edition that it's been printed out. Um, Real interesting read about how, how leadership gets compromised and, You'll hear a lot of former Panthers and uh, Black Liberation Army members. Uh, I can't speak for the Brown Berets or the Young Lords, but the Panthers and the BLA felt that chemical warfare was going to be used on them uh, as the movement continued.
1: Hmm. Yep. And, and to, to talk about the Young Lords, they also saw that coming, too. Okay. Um and they, they also saw that coming too. Um, and you know, and how it infiltrated a lot of the gangs and how oh. the gangs helped, you know, proliferate that in the community. So yeah, they saw that coming too. Like, yeah. Okay. All right, but you know, for the uninitiated, <laughs> who are the
0: young lords? I mean, we know because um who was the brother from The Last Poets? Uh, the Puerto Rican brother was in the Felipe young Luciano. Lord. Felipe, yeah, yeah, Felipe yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, Uh-oh. Danny, maybe you can give us a little uh History on the Young Lords. So it's, with Fred you know,
1: Hampton, when Fred Hampton was organizing in Chicago, um, he got with, if you saw the movie, he got with uh um a Latinx organization that, you know, was kind of like the Black Panther Party. They were called the Young Lords. And then there was also the Young Patriots, which was like a white organization, a, 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 a poor white organization, and they were radicalized and he used them to create a, the first Rainbow Coalition. Um on the West Coast, you have you know the Brown Berets, which was again just like the uh, Black Panther Party, they modeled themselves at the Black Panther, but there was more um, Mexican, Mesoamerican-based, where in Chicago you have what was called Chicanos. And then what happened was there was an organization from New York under um, Pablo Yoruba Guzman. Shout out to Pablo Yoruba Guzman and Mickey Mm -hmm. Melendez, who went to Chicago to listen to Fred Hampton, and they started their Young Lords party in New York, but that was a lot. They were Puerto Ricans, predominantly Puerto Ricans. So, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, I think I think we needed to have that bit of context as you share that information you share. Um, wow. Now, now Trez, you've also talked about how how did you put it? Didn't I hear you at one time say that Father Allah and the uh, the teachings of the five percent
1: nation influenced some of the street gangs in New York? Yes, it just yes they did um a lot a lot of it did I know a lot of times we talk about how Zulu Nation helped um help bring a lot of the gang members and unite them like after the ghetto brothers but also I think what's left out is that the nation of gods and earth also they were also their ranks were filled to former gang bangers so so yeah so they helped a lot of they helped piece out a lot of that conflict that was happening in in New York City which is why they were also targeted by Cotel bro
0: All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, we didn't. We said earlier we don't need another Malcolm. We don't need another Martin. We don't need another Asada. What do we need? Let's wrap this up. What do we need?
1: Um, I, kind of. We alluded to it earlier. <clears throat> um, the blueprint. The blueprint has been laid down. Uh, we just got to do the work. Really, we, we just have to do the work. Um, and, and oftentimes what happens is the people, the people that do the work, they are usually understaffed, right? <laughs> Under resourced and, and, um, overworked. A lot of us are overworked. I, I know a lot of former political activists. I know a lot of people that was like, yo, I can't do this no more. Um, mm-hmm. we have a lot of young people who have the time and the resources to do that. So we just got to actually do the work. Um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be done on a, just a few. It should be, it should be more of us out there in the streets doing the work again, from, you know, you know, Malcolm i said the best from where you from where you at, where where you at. That's where you need to start.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Zombie, man. Last thought. What do we need to be doing?
3: Dr. Clark says sometimes he would talk with uh, Malcolm's spirit and he would ask, what can I do? And he said, sometimes I would always get the feeling that I would hear Malcolm tell me, do your best work whatever that may be. In his case, he felt that being a classroom teacher was his best work. So as Dan alluded to, what is our best work? Okay. Where where do we want to get in and fit in to help liberate humanity? Because all of us don't do the same things, but all of us want to Let's say all of us have the same end game, but not everybody starts from the same beginning and mid game. So find out what is your best work, and move on that.
2: Hmm. Queen, what do
0: we need to do? Yeah, like the brother said, it's been saying it the whole time. I'm um,
2: rebuilding. Building truth in ourselves that we can actually collaborate with one another. You know what I'm saying? If I trust me to make good decisions, then I can look at you and be like, okay, he's of sound mind and body too, because I can ascertain that, right? Um, And collaboration is a big, big thing. Once we can do more of this, right? Everybody has said uh, it comes from talking with one another. It's the uh, great mindset the more people that are thinking collectively towards the common goal, the easier it is uh, to achieve it. I can say something to Danny and because he has a different experience in his day he may help me solve my problem quicker than I was able to solve it by myself simply because of communication. All we got to do is talk to one another.
0: Interesting. She woke up like this <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke <laughs>
1: mm.
0: Yo okay so I think we really kind of wrap things up So let's go round circle We want to thank everybody in the chat For their debate that's been happening In the chat salute that Salute that Uh, But yo where can we find the Beautiful gems that you dropped Dan Trez man where can we find you
1: Oh definitely check out my podcast I know I'm behind on updating it um uh, where my killer tape at um and also i want to shout out my book club we are going to meet on thursday online if you if you're interested we're going to be breaking it down in five parts the five principles by Stickman. um if you definitely mm-hmm. want to get down let me know email me we're gonna be doing it thursday uh 7 p.m eastern standard time we'll be doing it on google meets so and it's free but just come through hey would you consider
0: Stickman's book as part of the blueprint yes
1: Yes, oh, yeah. um, you know, again, he's a student of Malcolm. He's just, you know, he <coughs> the lessons, you know, so he's a he's one of the, you know, the children of Malcolm. And I, yes, definitely.
0: All right, Zumbi, man, I know you have your book nearby. If not, you're slipping.
3: Yeah, no, 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 no. They Don't be slacking here. on your
0: Mac, man. No, no, you no, got no. some parts it's, of the blueprint, right? Talk about it.
3: So this is the gospel of Afronomics theology or what I call GOAT. Uh, this is about 22 years worth of personal Research and experience in the areas of business, economics, and personal finance. Uh, this can be found at your local Melanated Bookstore or Amazon. I'm working on the expanded edition as we speak. Uh, some of the things that I recommend is being a $20 revolutionary, where you make a $20 purchase each week from a. Uh, black owned store be it e-commerce or brick and mortar uh cultural tithing is the thing that i'm big about is are we giving a dime out of every dollar to a race first or african-centered uh organization whether you consider a unia more science temple nation of islam whoever you feel is looking out for the lives and the livelihoods of original people and then finally, I talk about being what I call being a cop, particularly for those of us who are content creators and create other forms of intellectual property where you create, you own, and you protect your intellectual property.
0: All right. So, uh, Queen, I hopefully got to, hopefully you have your book handy. Uh, roll that beautiful bean footage.
2: All right. So, I don't have the book handy. I'm in the middle of a move. So, I'm trying to actually like leave the place so I gotta take stuff down.
3: Um boo.
2: I know right it's it's a weird transitional period. No? Y-
1: booing her? She's in the middle of a move, yo. <laughs> Thank
2: you, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't see
1: hey, I, I, I like there. the help book cover. Hey, boo, you're not over there helping out. You know, <laughs> them, them, you know what I'm saying? Me and Mr Zumi <laughs> could have ran the podcast ourselves and you could have went down there to help her. <laughs>
0: Bye, boy. <laughs> boy,
2: bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I do <laughs> okay. have Okay. Um, there are 31 of these in the book to help you get to a healthier you. Um, I have a degree in psychology, and I really, really think that fitness is 100% mental, Um If you check me out on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook at Fit Goddess Tribe, our mission is to strengthen the community by each individual, making them stronger uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally. That way that you can be a better person for the rest of the world. Much appreciated, brother. I knew you was going to drop that
0: link. I say that. I say that. We just want to make sure that we leave some of the blueprints because, uh, you know, we... (laughs) 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 <laughs> just <say no> to- <laughs> okay that's part of the blueprint just say no to drugs man um Derek witherspoon says buy land and develop it that's what real blacks do uh will justice says get dr amos wilson's blueprint yo yes. salute that so yo, we got to do a show on Dr. Amos Wilson yes, because yes, we do a yes, lot do. of folk don't know yes, about do. yeah, Dr. Yeah. Amos Wilson. Yes, right? we do. Okay. I agree. Yeah. So Brahu, he asked the question, what do we do now? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. Now he says Brahu. Just say no <laughs> to <the> drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Derek Witherspoon says we need another Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Um, salute to Dr. Khaled. Abdul Muhammad, he's a frat brother of mine. Also, yeah. uh, Minister, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is now a frat brother of mine as well. He oh, came wow. in a few years really? ago. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, we had a really interesting time during the pandemic. We brought in George Clinton. So now when we step... Yeah, George Clinton's cue now. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Farrakhan came in before the pandemic. And uh, Khaled, you know, uh, Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad was a bruh. Uh, before he joined the Nation of Islam, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And yeah, Farrakhan, that. Farrakhan was actually online when um, he re- he he first had his encounter with uh, I, I want to say Elijah Poole Bay. I want to say uh, with Elijah, Minister, uh, you know Mah- Muhammad. That's what I meant.
3: Oh, the messenger. Okay, the messenger.
0: Yeah, but I I, I was just reading some. Uh, some MST information. So I, I went to my Elijah pool Bay stuff, <laughs>
3: oh, <okay. laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, Farrakhan was actually online just before he get, came into contact with the messenger. Mm, okay. I know yeah. So he, he stopped the process and he finally crossed. Uh, okay. So when the brother says we need another Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad, I just wanted to, I just wanted to mm. shout my stuff out real quick. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen to the Get On Code show. You know, we're focused on black empowerment. That's the real simple title there, bro. Simple description. We focused on black empowerment. These are conversations that focused on black empowerment, that focus on black empowerment. So we asked you to get on code. And what is the code? Our code is empowerment. So we had the good brother minister Zoom be on. I hit the wrong button. (laughs) 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 <laughs> i meant to hit this button to get on code become the code teach the code our code is empowerment hey make sure you drink your water
3: yes sir yes sir
0: contact your family they miss you engage with your family they miss you and most importantly we love you peace
3: peace Peace.
0: yo good show good